0: This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Fraser Productions. Welcome to The Deciders, with Renee Fraser. I am Renee Fraser, the founder and CEO of Fraser Communications. We're a leading woman-owned and woman-led communications firm in Southern California, 20 years in business, and the largest led by a woman and known by a woman in L.A. We specialize at Fraser Communications in changing behaviors to grow brands and to have a positive impact on society, and we work with clients in the private and the public sector. Uh, but the show, The Deciders with Renee Fraser, features leaders in their fields. It's an opportunity for us to share information and excite people about change. We interview change agents and experts in their fields. The show itself is about sharing stories and information. People reveal how their decisions that they make impact their business lives and our community. Well, as we all know, we're in the midst of the growing cascade of uh, Business closures and disruptions to our daily life from the spread of what we call COVID-19 or novel coronavirus. As you might imagine, there are a number of scientists working around the clock to try to find new treatments to prevent the spread, and there, of course, are daily announcements on how we can do that, including social distancing and washing our hands. My guest today is a gentleman who will bring us a lot of understanding of what the virus actually is and what we can do to prevent the spread of it. His name is Dr. Mark Milstein. He specializes in examining scientific research on human health. He has a Ph.D. in biology. Biological Chemistry, and a BS in Molecular, Cellular, and Developmental Biology. So when Dr. Milstein talks to us, he often talks about the fundamentals, but in a way the layman can understand. He's published in scientific journals and a frequent speaker. Today we're going to talk about new research, ways we can better understand how coronavirus works, and how to stop the spread. Welcome, Mark. We're delighted to have you on the show.
1: Oh, Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Dr. Melstein I should say, when we think about coronavirus, we are very concerned, of course, about the research that's being done and the activity to stop the spread. What are some of the latest insights you can share and how much research activity is going on at this time?
1: There's a lot going on. It's, it's a major priority. So the American uh, Chemical Society released a paper a few days ago outlining that in the last two months, there's been 500 papers published. Uh, And that is increasing each week and in the amount of papers that are being published on this. And the focus is really going from uh, our understanding of this virus and then how that understanding is going to be leading us to how we can treat it, how we can slow uh, the spread and how people can can receive treatment that will help them recover.
0: And it's good to know that there are many scientists and I get updates from around the world people in israel and other countries that are working on vaccinations and treatments but before we get into that kind of detail tell us how the virus infects and how it spreads yeah so the way that we talk about uh viruses is we use this
1: term docking and since a virus is something we can't see just to think about it like a boat a boat docking at the pier is a nice way to just picture this uh, so that we can kind of wrap our heads around something so tiny but if you imagine a a boat docking at the pier the virus has to dock onto a human cell and it attaches and what happens is the virus is this little circle type uh, structure and it's a virus is quite simple it's this this circle structure with just information inside that allows it to replicate so imagine this little tiny circle attaching to a human cell Where it attaches, we call that docking, and it attaches to what we call a receptor on the human cell. And so a big area of research right now is just right off the bat, we're understanding how that docking takes place, how that attachment takes place, and how do we keep that from happening? How do we not allow the virus to attach to the human cell so that the infection can't happen. And so there's uh, in the news, you know, in in the last 24 hours, we're starting to hear about medications that already exist for other viruses, Mm -hmm. uh, treating viruses like malaria, HIV, uh, Ebola, and understanding how we can stop the docking from happening. So that's the first step is that how do we prevent the virus from attaching, just like how do we, we keep a boat from docking, at
0: right, the I love that, that kind of uh, analogy that helps. you're right. The docking part. I know that I read a a long article in The Economist about it that said that also the way the the virus is structured, it's lipid outside, and so water and soap actually break apart then the virus so that it cannot uh, cannot link or dock, as you said. So washing our hands is obviously one critical way to stop it from spreading, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's why we keep hearing that from the CDC about uh, washing our hands and not touching our face because washing our hands uh, disrupts the virus. Uh, and also by touching our eyes, nose and mouth, that's where we could actually put this virus into the cells where the receptors would allow that virus to dock. So and, and a lot of those receptors are in our respiratory tract. So that's why that that advice is, is, is very powerful right now.
0: Now, about these medications, I I did hear the malaria drug. One of the malaria drugs is now being utilized, Um, and you're suggesting I think that the fastest way to find the drugs is to test for the repurposing of drugs that already have FDA approval. Uh, What kinds of drugs are those?
1: Yeah, so there's going to be probably phases and waves to the treatment uh, of COVID-19 coronavirus, and. And that will be eventually the hope is for a vaccine. But to make that safe, that's probably a year to a year and a half out. So in the meantime, uh, one of the major priorities is what medications do we have that are currently are currently being used for other viruses? And the reason why this is important is that we have understandings of their safety. And so when a a medicine is developed that is brand new, there's quite a bit of testing that needs to go to, to be involved to make sure it's safe. But if it's already a a medicine that's been tested, we have we would say a head start. We still have to test it thoroughly. It still has to go through through trials. We want to make sure the dosing is right and the the timing. But this is a head start that allows us to uh, to to get things. Going faster and to help people quicker, we right? Because if this, we've
0: already tested it, we know the side effects, for example, and so. we know how it works with different kinds of people. So, if there are any kind of precautions, they can be made. Um, when, when we uh, there's new research on a drug called remdesivir, I believe. Can you tell yeah. us more about that? Was that about Ebola to try to stop Ebola? Yeah, so that's interesting. An interesting story <laughs> is that that drug was developed
1: to to stop Ebola and um, it turns out another medication was the medication that actually was used to treat Ebola, but remdesivir, uh, interestingly, what it does is, so the, the first thing that we talked about is stopping that docking, and, and that's an important, there's some malaria drugs that look like that might stop that process, and again, we need more testing, but there's some hope there, uh, but in, once the virus attaches and docks to the human cell, if we think of it as a boat again, Imagine people on that boat that have the plans to make more virus or make more boats. You know, we keep going back to this idea so we can picture it. Mm. Uh, That information goes into the cell and then the human cell, actually what it does is it takes that information and gets tricked into making more virus. So the virus can't replicate on its own. It needs what's inside the human cell to make more and more and more copies of the virus. And what remdesivir does uh, is it, it stops this, replication process. It, it kind of throws a, a wrench in the process, so to speak. And so these these types of medications that seem to be helpful in other viruses in terms of slowing the, the replication process are being uh, very heavily looked at now as, as hopeful that they could slow down the replication process in COVID-19.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, let's um, kind of extrapolate from that. What that's all about is the virus, it cannot walk from person to person without touching, without people Uh, bringing it to another person, and we've heard that it can live on different surfaces for up to 72 hours. So a person might have it on a hand. It could live on a cardboard box that someone holds, and then you touch that box within that 72-hour period, and then you have it on your body. But there, there are also two different kinds or different discussions about how people get it. One is community. Can you explain what that means so people understand why that's important?
1: Yeah, so the the virus just as you said uh seems to live on surfaces, different surfaces for different lengths of time and there's quite a bit of research trying to nail down the exact amount of time but definitely it does survive on on surfaces it doesn't just die right away. Uh and well in terms of it 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 uh, it's viable is the, is the word we use in virology. It could still transmit. But um the other way that the virus does spread is if somebody coughs or sneezes. Uh, and somebody were to get that and that virus then goes into the air and somebody nearby within, you know, six feet or so inhales the virus or gets it into their own respiratory, respiratory tract that could pass on the virus as well. So that that's why this idea of social distancing, uh, being we're hearing from the CDC is important because if we're in crowded places right now, there's that possibility that somebody could pass it on through a cough or a sneeze. Um, and then that virus would then, as we talked about, attach, pass from one person to the next, dock into the, this secondary person's human cells, and then start that replication process.
0: You know, now that we've been through this process and we've seen how fast it's been transmitted across people, what would be your recommendation? I'm sure there are many people talking about this, and there'll be a protocol for if this ever happens again with the pandemic. But what what it would have been the CDC's or the World Health Organization's recommendation, for instance, when it first occurred in China?
1: Well, that's a, that's a great question. I think that's something that we're going to have to really analyze, and we're going to have to ask some really tough questions over the next few months, so that so that we optimize this process on many levels, um, everything from. Uh, getting testing ready. I think that, you know, in terms of science and medicine, we always want to know the real numbers that we're dealing with. Um, so that, and, and being aware that these threats are real, um, that, that viruses can cripple a, a society and economic system, our way of life, so that, that we are on high alert mm-hmm. uh, and that we are able to test quickly, mobilize quickly, have enough hospital beds, have funding in place, Um, All the things that we're hearing about are, are critically important in strategizing moving forward.
0: It's a good point. I think, you know, as you said, once we've been through this, there's going to be a lot of examination of what policies, funding, emergency services have to be. Although I have to say in the United States, you've been seeing a fast mobilization, which I'm I'm glad to hear and see. And people are uh, also trying to be very aware of the social distancing. We know a lot of cities have actually closed down and we know that in Wuhan, uh, people were asked to stay in their homes, and actually through a friend who had a relative living over there, they boarded up the front of houses so people couldn't get out. They created a slot for people to get their food served to them and things brought, but they weren't allowed to leave. And yet I heard today, and just for everyone knows we're doing this on uh, March 19th, that they're finally allowing people out. They were left inside for 16 days. There was plenty of food, and uh, their toilets and the water worked, etc. so people had to shelter in place. which is what we've been hearing about. Uh, But then they are being let out, and, of course, they're monitoring carefully to make sure that it doesn't have a uh, a resurgence. But I think for people to understand, that's the value of the staying indoors so it doesn't get transmitted from one person to the next. And the only other thing I'd like to add, I know that I'm a big fan of getting outside, getting fresh air, going for a walk, recognizing the beauty around us, even though we're in this difficult situation. Um, And when we do that, what would you recommend? If we go outside,
1: the CDC is recommending that uh, we be very careful in having distance and that being outside, um, getting fresh air, having some form of exercise, walking is really important for our mental and physical health. But being on on alert and saying and being aware that we're not going to go into crowded areas for until for the time being, Um, we're going to stay be respectful of of other people and, and, you know, wave but not get close. All yes. those things that we we really have to take seriously um, to protect our health and to protect vulnerable people in our society, too. That uh, That's a big part of this is that people can be asymptomatic but pass it on. So we're all in this together.
0: Right. We've been calling those people carriers. You know, I know in my case, I have grown daughters, and I haven't been able to see them for two weeks because they're concerned that they or their children, my grandchildren, would be carriers. And, of course, they'd feel very angry or disappointed and guilty if they gave me the coronavirus, COVID-19. So that's part of the isolation, isn't it? You have to stay six feet away from people. And even though a person you might think is totally healthy, that's deceptive, right, because they could actually still be a carrier.
1: That's what we're seeing. Yeah, that's, what the, that's what the data is, is showing is that asympt- asymptomatic people uh, – are very likely driving the spread. So that exactly what the CDC is saying is that um, maintaining the distance, uh, and and that's a critical part of the of the of, main t- of uh, controlling this, this situation. So we've had a,
0: a few things that have come out. Our, my firm, Fraser Communications, is working with the LA County Department of Public Health, and the key messages that we filmed some PSAs in working with Dr. Barbara Ferrer, who's head of the Department of Public Health, and the three key things were: wash your hands social distancing, coughing and sneezing into an elbow, but I think now even more into a tissue and keeping and then throwing the tissue away. And the last thing, of course, is if you feel ill, isolate yourself. And more and more it's the isolating yourself that's becoming, I think, the phenomenon. Why is it so important for people over 65 to stay indoors?
1: Uh, so, As we're seeing as we look at the data in other countries and as we're seeing what's emerging in our country is that age plays a role in in how people respond to this virus. Uh, We don't 100 percent understand why that is. It could be a mix of uh, immune system issues as people get older. Their immune system is maybe not as effective as as when they're younger. Um, But also it could be underlying health conditions that that could be compounding the, the, the effect. Um, But I think another big message is also that not being uh, not not people being aware that at any age this is we're we're seeing data coming in that there are people who are younger that are also having significant uh, impacts and that people social distancing, even if you're under 60 and, and being vigilant as well.
0: That's very true. I, you know, again, reading this economist piece, which was more of a global perspective, they had indicated that several people who had died or had very serious consequences in pneumonia have pre existing conditions, specifically heart disease and diabetes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was rather surprised about diabetes, but it I suppose it means you have a compromised system if you have diabetes, right? Your body uh isn't making the 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 right amount of insulin. Is that is that yeah. correct? The-
1: yeah, and diabetes can impact the effectiveness of the immune system. All these systems are very much connected, um, but the, the the risk factors are, are definitely any sort of uh, respiratory issues, any heart conditions, and general autoimmune conditions. We're, we're still trying to learn more about which ones might have higher or lower risk. So in the meantime, anyone who has autoimmune conditions, uh, any uh, absolutely immunosuppression is, is, is a risk factor. So... Um, being aware of all these and really taking these steps that are the recommendations of the CDC is important. Okay.
0: Well, I appreciate hearing that. I will say that cdc.gov is the right place to go. The other place for local content is publichealth.lacounty.gov. That's publichealth.lacounty.gov, and if you search LADPH, it will come up in your search. Uh, The thing I'd also recommend to people is they sign up via Instagram or Facebook for updates, and you'll get on your post recommendations and things to do. What does social distancing mean? We recently created a a meme on Facebook and Instagram that people are really liking. is a green light, a red light, and a yellow light, green, yellow, and red. It shows you the things you can do that are green, what not to do absolutely, and what, if you're going to do, be very cautious about. It uses icons and very simple, but it's an easy way for people to understand what actions to take. And the reason I suggest the um, uh, Facebook and Instagram, and we'll be certainly doing WeChat soon and TikTok, is that uh, it changes, right? And there's, unfortunately, more information being found and more incidences as we we test. So this is a good way to stay in tune. And I think Facebook and Instagram, which we know, have problems because of the amount of uh, of dedication people have to it and sometimes our addiction. But we also know it's a place people turn for social engagement. And in these times when we're isolating ourselves and feeling maybe sometimes bored or lonely, Facebook and Instagram can play a role. So uh, it's useful to have them in your feed. Is there any other uh, source of data you'd like to suggest, uh, Dr. Milstein?
1: Um, I think uh, really sticking to highly reputable sources. The CDC um, is really, I think, the go-to place to be to be to be, uh, to be getting our, our information. Um, if when we're thinking about the studies that are coming out, something to be aware of is that the research is coming fast and furious we've we really never seen anything like this where on one hand it's wonderful that there's been this mobilization to uh, attack this problem but just being very careful as not to jump ahead because some of the information is not quite peer-reviewed yet um, it we need bigger trials so that we want to be hopeful but we want to be cautiously optimistic that's a, a major tenet of science research is that um, we're hopeful but we want to be measured and we want to make sure that people are, are being treated in a manner in which it's safe and we're moving in, in very uh, judicious, appropriate steps.
0: Yeah, cautious, but also hopeful. I like that very yeah. much, Dr. And Let's turn now and talk a bit about what people do inside of their companies Uh, throughout los angeles people are working remotely and i think we're going to see that intensify in the next few days my expectation is a lot of businesses will have to close for a period of time and i will say the sba has loans particularly for small businesses i went on their website have checked it out it's sba.org and they're five to twenty thousand dollar immediate loans with uh with no interest. I believe they last for six months, but people should go to those websites. But turning back to the idea of working remotely, uh, let's talk about what companies can do. I'm going to mention a few things and then ask you to jump in, Dr. Milstein. One one thing that I think people need to do is they need to um, revise their financials. They've got to think through, okay, what will this mean and where do I need to cut back right now? If, in fact, clients do go into hiatus or I have to let people go, and you think about furloughs as well. And then you think about ways in which to enhance communications. So at Fraser Communications, we do a call in the morning at um, 9.15 and another one at the end of the day at 5.30 to talk about all the projects in play and who's doing what so that people can know what's being accomplished. And, of course, there's a lot of projects we're doing since we're working closely with the Department of Public Health. We're also working with the California Department of Public Health and then our existing clients like Lexus and Hyundai. So we've got to balance getting all of that work done. But I also find it's a chance for people to talk to each other and know what's going on. And one of the things that's popular is video conferencing so you can see people. And I think you're, you, you probably can speak to how important it is to have that personal connection, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's critically important. Um, I've been sending out videos and, and trying to do Skype meetings and, and Zoom because I think it's important for us in these times to To see each other as much as possible and check in, and and it's really good for our mental health as well.
0: I think it's important to stay in touch with people. I know I get down in the dumps with what's happening, but I have to find ways to boost my spirits, share with everyone, and also let them know that it's okay to feel uh, down. It's understandable, but at the same time, remind ourselves of ways. I've even thought about sharing the app calm with everyone so that people start to meditate and use their their own mindset to try to reduce the anxiety that they're feeling. Any comments on that, Dr. Milstein, is another form of kind of self-regulating? Yeah, I think those are all
1: excellent points. I think the idea of um, also looking at as difficult and as challenging as this is, is trying to find moments of gratitude and opportunities to say, this is a moment or this is some extra time I can spend with um, my children, if we're all in the same home or, you know, with a, 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 I can reach out and I haven't had a chance to call this person. I'd like to reach out and talk to them and finding those little moments of, um, of opportunities that can be a little, you know, boost to our, our mood and our emotional state, which is also helpful for our immune system. These things are very much connected.
0: And you're right. So you're as, right. And I think making you know, those connections, you're right. It, uh, serotonin in the brain of feeling better, but I, It's also a time for self-reflection. I think everybody's uh, pleased with the fact that we slow down a little bit when we work from home and we stay home. And it is a chance to reach out. And also share your, like you said, your gratitude, your love. I see a lot more people talking about how much they care about each other than they normally do, and it's a chance as we we reflect our mortality, you know, consider our own mortality to do that. Let let me turn to one other thing that I think we should talk about, which is the ability to work from home for many people who haven't done it, how to enhance that. And I have a few very practical pieces of advice. Uh, One is I think it's important for people to set the scene. need to have a, a, a workspace that's got a computer and a screen and and make it not a play space but a workspace so you know when you're there you're working and it's important to dress the part you may not get up and and wear your uh your uh, you know your your fanciest clothes but i also wouldn't recommend wearing your pajamas or your loudest hawaiian shirt or something dress in a fashion because we all know that those are um Signal stimuli to ourselves that say, okay, I'm in business mode now as I handle those uh, Skype calls or conference calls. Find your groove in terms of the schedule. People don't really have to work the full eight hours. Even when you're at your job, you have breaks. You get up and take walks, and it's important to be able to do that. Um, and then create a schedule for yourself. This is really important, especially with children. We're going to study during this period. We're going to get up and go outside for 15 minutes. Now we're going to have lunch. We're going to come back and we're going to do this kind of reading. You, tr- you, you, you schedule yourself. You should also track your time. uh, It's so easy, especially if you've got the news on, to get sucked into something or sucked into emails. So it's important to schedule yourself, track your time. And then the last thing I'll say, or two things, is take smart breaks. Take time out to walk. to breathe fresh air, to meditate, calm yourself down, to think about good things like gratitude. And the last would be keeping lines of communication open. It's really important to communicate with others. And just as you would in the workplace where you go into the coffee room, you you find time to share with others, joke around a little bit. And uh, it's one of the reasons I mentioned Teams. It's a great place to do that. Lots of advice. Anything you'd like to add to that, uh, Dr. Milstein?
1: Uh, Those were excellent. I I would just throw in there um, exercise. If we can't go to gyms right now, there's a lot of things online, you know, five, ten minute short little workouts that I think are excellent. Um, And I think those are things we can take advantage of to keep our mental and physical health uh, as, as optimal as possible in these times.
0: You're absolutely right. Exercising is important and then engaging with others. I know I'm doing Skype with my grandchildren and reading to them out loud online. I love it. I think there's a lot of uh, information that's going to be coming our way. Your information has been extremely helpful. Thank you, Dr. Milstein, and thank you for the recommendation that we go to cdc.org and then publichealth.lacounty.gov for updates. And as I mentioned, Facebook and Instagram, follow L.A. Department of Public Health, and you'll get immediate updates from them. We had a great show today on a very difficult and serious topic. Thank you very much, Dr. Milstein, for being with us. I very much appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you all for listening. As you know, Fraser Communications, which I run as Renee Fraser, is a full-service advertising and communications firm. We do traditional media, social media, uh, digital media. As I mentioned, we're doing digital and social media for the Department of Public Health. If you're interested in how we might help your business, please contact us at FraserCommunications.com to learn more. Have a great week ahead. Remember social distancing, washing your hands and stay home if you feel at all ill. Have a wonderful week ahead. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Fraser Productions.